All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. Welcome back to part two of today's show, which is the first program out in our new series about health. And we're so happy to have with us the expert Robin Falco. And we were talking in part one. Uh, we were we were all over the place, actually. We we had a little focus on this big industry, but we'll get back to that in future programs. So it's okay that we danced around with several topics. But now I want for part two to have a main focus on understanding homeopathy and uh, natural medicine. Okay, the fun begins. Yes. I'll tell you, Robin, I, I mentioned in part one that the Norwegian people a few years ago were very into alternative medicine. So they uh -huh. used complementary medicine, not on expanse of allopathic, but for many in addition. Yeah. But I, I guess the money industry got afraid. So there's been this huge campaign and especially the so-called skeptics, of course, the pseudo-skeptics and yes. uh, the human ethical society. There was also the pharmacy and the mainstream, the school medicine. They all, all joined forces and it's been like a huge campaign against alternative medicine and in particular against homeopathy. For some reason, they were the main. Mm -hmm. And now they've been ridiculed. People are still using alternative things, but homeopathy has had a decline. Now, before we, we start discussing this, I want to tell you about my personal experience. Okay. I'm actually, I'm grown up in a human ethical home. Neither of my parents were religious. They weren't atheists either. They were agnostics. They didn't care. <laughs> so, Sounds like my family. My parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually prefer that because it, it means that I didn't have to take any emotional break with an imaginative Satan figure in order to be free. I could choose my spirituality from the top shelf. So if I didn't have kind of a um, attraction towards, let's just say, a spiritual uh, paradigm, I would probably be an agnostic. But I had that life in me and so it was free to explore but i must admit in my teens i was like a rebel atheistic uh, i was much more into politics and i didn't have time for alternative medicine or anything like that in fact i was skeptical but i was born with uh, some kind of eczema eczema yeah eczema yeah and from i was a baby they didn't know what it was or how it could be cured so they just gave me this uh, cortis I think it's called okay. cortisone. Cortisone to suppress your yes. symptoms. I'm curious. Did you have lung problems, respiratory problems as a child? No, I've never been. I've never been ill in my life. Actually, I've had colds, of course, and I had flus a couple of times, but no. But as a child, you didn't have any kind of lung issues. No, I don't think so that I know of, but I never had a good condition, so I guess my lungs could be better developed than they are. But I don't have an issue with it. But I got the cortisone as, uh, not in pills or, or shots, but as uh, uh, cream. Cream, a topical? Yes. Yeah. So I put that on my face. Mm -hmm. When I was uh, 16, I got as a gift a homeopathic uh, visit. 
And so I was skeptic. I didn't know anything about it. So I didn't have any positive bias towards it. I promise you, there's no placebo here. Okay. But I went there. It was free. And uh, he very soon determined that I had three problems. I had the eczema problem. I had the addiction to... Dairy? Uh, no, no, to the to the cream. Ah, again? the, the uh, cortisol, cortisol, the suppressing yes. cortisol, yeah. Yes, and I had damage due to cortisol. Okay. And I could never go... Uh, if I went three days without that cream, I would have uh, uh, inflammation and be red in the face and a dry skin, and it, it was terrible. So he said that I needed to, to deal with all these three things. So he gave me a, a remedy, and... Uh, it took me a year, and I was free from all three things. Wonderful. So uh, that actually changed my life, and it gave me a huge positive uh, impression about homeopathy. But I didn't understand homeopathy. I didn't know the principles or anything at that point. So now, fast forward to today, when homeopathy is portrayed by the people who adhere to the new religion called scientism, <laughs> Uh, and the new atheists and all this, these superstitious faith-based materialists, yes, <laughs> they portray homeopathy. They say that they are giving sugar water to people. That's funny. That <laughs> there is no research confirming any. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they try to make it all into placebo. That's everything. Now, I know more about homeopathy today. But you you know more than me, so you can take it from here. What do you say to people who buy into these uh, memes? Uh, what can you say to people that buy into that? Um, well, there's um, in Western medicine when people have uh, trans ischemic attacks (TIAs). Those are attacks where some of the, the, the arteries can close off and create chest pain. What they give them is, um, oh gosh, I'm going brain dead on it. Um, it's nitrogen, uh, not, not, uh, it's the stuff they make bombs from. And, oh, I'm going to. Or nitroglycerin. Nitroglycerin. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I just went brain dead. But nitroglycerin is given sublingually. They have to take it under their tongue for rapid absorption. You have other things that have been advertised in the States on television that are taken subliminally, uh, sublingually as well. And these things are homeopathic remedies. And that's that premise of absorbing that way because you have a very rich blood supply under the tongue or in the oral mucosa where some of the homeopathic remedies will be sprayed in the mouth and you don't swallow them because if you do that, <clears throat> it will inactivate the remedy because of your stomach enzymes. You have to let it mm. absorb there, which makes it very uh, humorous to see one of these uh, quack watch type who attacks homeopathy and ridicules it. And she says, I've swallowed all these bottles of medicine and it did nothing. Yeah, and it's like, hey, dummy, did you read the label? <laughs> you know, you don't swallow <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, oh, but homeopathic medicine comes both as pills and creams and fluids? Well, you can have a topical cream, but even the little pills, uh, they're not swallowed. They're, they're dissolved in the mouth 
or under the tongue or sometimes I think with children, I mean, I, I, I will make a remedy myself and put it in a purified water with some uh, high potency alcohol to have those little tablets in solution and then you succuss it, which is hitting the bottle against the palm of your hand probably 10 times before then you draw it up with the with the eyedropper in the bottle or use the spray. Uh, but that succussion activates that imprint that has been put on the water. The water is the carrier, just as we know water is a universal solvent to wash yeah. things away. It carries a message very effectively as proven by Dr. Masuro Emoto, who's no longer with us, but showed the impact of our very... He, he died? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It showed... That's not long ago because he was in Norway not long ago. I think ago. it was just recently, yeah. uh, the past few months. Yeah. Oh, that's bad news. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quite yeah. a researcher for people to get it, mm. that their words, their thoughts have an impact on the environment around them, and you could actually see it on the water. Mm. So... This idea that, um, you know, they, they want to marginalize everything that goes against their paradigm. But obviously, it's not sugar pills. Well, no, they're not sugar pills. They have a medication on it. And there is a story, an interesting story that you'll like, Al, when someone was accused of practicing medicine without a license. I don't remember the guy's name. And this was, oh, this was one of the stories I heard years ago, probably 25 years ago or something. And they wanted him to be prosecuted because he practiced medicine without a license. And he said, well, just test the product and see what it is. And when they tested it, 25 years ago, they didn't have the sophisticated means of identifying these tiny, tiny, tiny active amounts that are in there. They only found water. So it was like, okay, well, he wasn't practicing medicine because there was no medicine. And that was the end of it. Yeah, but couldn't they say to him, hey, you, you, this is uh, snake oil, it's water, and you're, you're, you're pretending it's medicine, so you're fooling people. Yeah. Couldn't they say that? They could have said that. They could have said that. But I, I, that's, you know, from what I had heard about it, the example that was given, it just, uh, you know, that was, that was the end of it. And people actually felt better. Mm. So, I mean, they're, they're not that somebody should misrepresent with a placebo, but yeah, I, I wondered about that question as well, mm. but they couldn't establish it. Mm. So what they said, they said, okay, he's practicing magic. <laughs> because the patient said he felt he felt better, and there was no law against practicing magic. Right. So he, they didn't burn him at the stake, at least. No, no, no. no. And, and, and you know, it was a guy and not a woman. Maybe if it was a woman, they would have burned her at the stake. Oh no, they 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 burned guys too. I mean, uh, alchemists who were the predecessors of homeopaths. Uh, mm. Many of them uh, were were burned. So. Uh, uh, gender doesn't matter if you're putting yourself up against Big Brother. <laughs> oh, okay, so no, no sex discrimination. That's good. No, not when it comes to torturing and killing us. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just the 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 world of crazy is out there now. The premises, the understanding of like curing like, you can go back to the early Greeks, you know, and understand. Uh, people that got those concept, 
concepts. There were even schools where they taught representational medicine, that if it was red, it was good for the blood. You know, if it was green, it was good for digestion. Yeah. Uh, interesting things like that, which, you know, in a lot of cases, there is an affinity to what one would expect that could have benefits. But there was much more of a bond with our environment when you go back thousands of years ago. And they, the ancient Chinese have a written history for almost 5,000 years. Mm. And, you know, and what did they do? They were great observers. They watched what made it better. They watched what made it worse. They watched times of year. They watched if it was certain diets. I mean, so many differentiating Pieces of information were incorporated in their analyses and they wrote books. You have the famous books of the Yellow Emperor documenting medicine. And here you have people in the West saying, oh, that's just a bunch of nonsense, Chinese medicine, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's How can anybody believe that? And yet there are similarities. <clears throat> no, acupuncture is, is rather... Uh vetted i would say they have to accept that they don't like it even the debunkers the the people attack uh, homeopathy they they don't like acupuncture they want to but but they they're giving up trying to destroy that because they're so okay. i guess it's the chinese nation is behind it right so they can afford researching and documenting effects so they say, okay, acupuncture have some effects. Yes, it can alleviate pain. <laughs> you know, it, it, like meditation, even meditation have researched and found many health benefits. Sure. So, so I wouldn't put acupuncture in, at least not here in Europe or at Scandinavia. I think homeopathy is singled out and attacked. And I want you to help us understand the principle. And you said, like cures like so so the principle then is that if i have a problem mm -hmm. you and correct me if i'm wrong you take a little part of that thing that bothers me and you put it into my body so that my body will react to it and produce a reaction yeah. that will deal with it and then it will also take that original problem in the same uh, process because yeah. it's the same kind of thing. This is a complete layman's way to try to <laughs> form, formulate this. But uh, am, am, am I onto it? Is this what uh, the basic principle of homeopathy is? It just, yes, that like cures like, but what you need to understand is that little piece, and that goes into the formula, that little piece when you are taking homeopathic remedies, you have what are called reductions. And the way the remedies are used are you can have a mother tincture mm -hmm. that could be with an herb like arnica, which should never be taken. Arnica montana is poisonous as an herb, but in a homeopathic remedy, mm. because of the reduction, that changes the game. That makes it safe. It doesn't cause side effects. There might be something so rare and unusual uh, that there could be a reaction to it. But for probably 99% of the time, there is nothing. But what you find, you find remedies that are in X quantities, C quantities. They even go up to 1 million. And they have machines. Yeah, and the debunkers say it's so dissolved that it has no effect anymore. Yeah, except they don't realize that with all the advanced technology, they have been able to identify, wow, you know, these things are still there. Mm. 
And so that that part of their debunking has been debunked. And (laughs) what you do when I've made remedies for myself, it's complicated. And I use lower potencies because you have to dilute. And that is the key with homeopathy, the dilution. And what you were doing, let's say you have that mother tincture. You want all the, the details, Al, of how you do it? Well, yeah, if it doesn't take the whole show, yes, sure. Okay, so I I will speed this up. So you take the mother tincture, you have your array of bottles handy that you will use for the remedies. Hopefully you will use a dark colored bottle because Mm. these are very sensitive. And you take that one-tenth of the volume of the liquid that would be in the bottle that you're adding it to, you take one-tenth of that active mother tincture and you add it to nine-tenths of a mixture of purified water and alcohol. Hmm. And then you have nine-tenths the diluent and one part the active. When you succuss that, and that's hitting it against your hand for however long you want and recommending that the patient do that before taking it to be administered, That is a 1x. If you want to lower the number, okay, because 1x would be a really high physical uh, remedy, and a lot of times you dilute them further because that's how you decrease any kind of side effect. Mm. So if you want to make it a 2x, you pour off 9 tenths of the liquid. So you already have that combination, the one-tenth mother tincture, nine-tenths liquid, and then you have you add more nine-tenths of that mix of water and an alcohol, purified water and alcohol, to one-tenth of the other mixture. That gives you a 2x. You can repeat that on and on, you know, up to 6, 10, 12. I like to stay within the range of those lower potencies because a lot of the things I deal with are physical presentations. When you deal with emotional presentations, you might want to go for some of the higher remedies like the 200,000 or the LM remedies or the even you might consider a 1 million if it's something that has been long standing. Mm. Now, many people understand about resonance and that's yeah. another principle with homeopathy when you understand that you're doing a thorough analysis for each individual and you go over their mental presentation, visual, sense of smell, sense of hearing, mouth, chest, lungs, elimination, muscles, extremities. You go through all of this and find what remedy matches up the best. <clears throat> hmm. So you fine-tuned it. And then when you're going to start treatment, um, a lot of the popular ones are a 12X or a 30X, um, or a lot of people use Cs. But if you're getting into long-standing emotional or traumas that happened when someone was, you know, uh, a toddler and they're in their 40s or 50s, you want something that accesses and resonates with that long-standing effect. And you have to understand what you're doing with homeopathy. You're not just treating the symptoms. You have a qualified homeopathic physician that has done a thorough consultation 
uh, getting into all aspects of your health and history and current presentation, and they have determined what the proper remedy is that matches up with you the best. And if you have had a condition for a long period of time, well, it takes a while, just as you were describing to us earlier, the six-month period to have the relief from the effects of the cortisone medication that you were given Mm -hmm. and to be able to clear the condition so it was no longer necessary. So it takes time to turn that around But when you give the body that time, instead of just trying to suppress it, and there are homeopaths that practice by suppressing symptoms, which is a whole different entity from the classical. Is that called something else? No, no. It's, it's, you know, hopefully they will. We have a lot of patients that don't want to wait as well. They want a quick fix. (laughs) You know, they, they don't understand. So you have to try to find a way to combine it. And then you allow the body to heal and the body heals. And a lot of times people will have revisitations of, let's say, um, oh gosh, uh, sore throats or, or uh, indigestion, di- different things that they had it as, as a kid. And you're lucky because one of the classic problems with using cortisones and cortisols and steroids with children who had skin rashes were, was that they would develop lung problems respiratory problems, difficulties breathing, high prevalence of asthma because all of what is absorbed through the skin, the largest... I've even been a smoker for many years, but still I I survived. I'm a survivor. Okay. I'm a cortisone survivor. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just what you find when you're dealing with homeopathy and with a lot of things, you've got to give that body a chance to heal. Because it didn't get there overnight to be damaged. It mm. took a while. Mm. So that's that's basically it in a nutshell. And there are certain basics with homeop- homeopathic remedies that you don't smoke anything. Uh, you don't drink anything but water before you might take that remedy in your mouth under your tongue. But you will find that it is truly an energetic medicine that engages the body just like your acupuncture needles do and Chinese medicine has shown that there are these systems of energy excuse me moving throughout our body so however you tie into that and get the immune system to kick in there are different ways of doing it from acupuncture needles Chinese herbs um, LED technologies and homeopathic remedies So you are going to get your therapeutic benefit by following the protocol. But the big thing with homeopathy is the repetition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to go back and see your homeopath because your symptoms, your presentation changes, which means that the formula will change because why are you going to keep treating something that doesn't exist anymore? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's constantly in motion and it needs the reevaluation and then you get a new remedy. So it's, it's very simple. And one of the biggest problems is that it's very cheap Mm. and you will find with a lot of homeopathic remedies because they're so cheap, they recommend that people take higher amounts than are needed. So once again, that repetition There's a product that's been out there for years. It's called Acylococcinum. It's sold around the world. It's made by boron. It's for the flu. 
and they have these little tiny vials with teeny pellets inside, and the pellets have uh, duck barbarous, uh, a specific remedy that they use for the first signs and symptoms of the flu. If you're sneezing, if you're coughing, if your throat is already sore, uh uh-uh, you can't take it. But if you're starting to feel like something's coming on and you take it and you repeat the dose every six hours away from food for probably, they recommend an hour, you can make it for about a half hour and not smoking or drinking anything but water for at least a half hour. Mm -hmm. You repeat that dose three times, you have primed your immune system to kick in and then you can do the same thing the next day maybe for a period of three days, and then you can lower the repetitions. Uh, if you're in acute pain, you can take it, you know, a homeopathic 6X or 12X remedy can be taken, you know, every hour if need be, hmm. because it will not interfere with anything else. Is this clear so far? I guess, I guess, but um, uh, I have, uh, it opens up uh, many questions, uh, but uh, also it gave me some answers because, uh, first of all, if it takes longer time than the quick fix, I can see how that can be exploited in order to criticize homeopathy yeah. because uh, they just look at the immediate result and not the, you know, they don't account for the whole time. And and I remember when you told me, even though I was cured after half a year, he did follow up on me, I think for once, half a year, for a year or something. And then uh, there was no reason for me to go there anymore. He wasn't there to make me uh, dependent on him. He wanted me to not have to go yes. to him. And, and just the ethics of it made me understand how sincere, how how uh, genuine this thing is. And I became much more humble in my view towards natural medicine and stuff like that. All my biases went out the window. Ah, well, good. I, I'm glad you had those insights and that you could really have such a strong personal connection. Because that's yeah. what's the most powerful. But when we look at the principle, then it, it reminds me of the magical principle. Because even in, in primitive magic, in sympathetic magic, you have the same thing that uh, the, the idea that there is a connection between stuff that is of the same nature, if you like, if the same frequency. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, there's so many examples. For instance, in uh, the concept of magical names, you see that in the myth of Isis, how she became a goddess, mm-hmm. that uh, she needed to know the name of the sun god. And when she had, she knew his inner name, his soul name, so to speak. <laughs> That's when she could get his powers. You see it in voodoo. If you have like uh, the hair or the nail of someone, you have a connection, right? It's this idea about yeah. connection. And that is scientifically, actually, because if you go back to the Pythagoreans, the pre-Socrats, and even the ancient Egypt, you see that they understood vibrations. They understood the resonance principles that you're talking about. I mean, the whole Western technology and the Western medicine and the Western science is born out of this realization. Mm. And if you look at ancient medicine that was in the time in Europe, in the West, before the monotheistic religions, like in ancient Greece, you also see that there were predecessors, I would say, to the homeopathic medicine, where they had this understanding that uh, there is a connection uh, across 
distances. And now, in our modern uh, time, when uh, the circle is completed, now we're starting to rediscover these things in mainstream science, these principles, especially in quantum physics. But I think the one big thing that's lacking, but it will come, is the understanding about the life force, the vitality. I mean, in China, they call it qi, like in uh, qigong and tai chi. They call it ki in Japan, like in aikido or reiki. They call it uh, prana in Indian, especially in Ayurvedic medicine. That's an important thing. The Sufis, the Muslims call it kuva. Uh, The Jews call it kushha. Goof. (laughs) And the Greeks call it pneuma. And everybody has a word for this. So it's a real thing. But the debunkers have laughed of this. Ah, ha, ha. This is just imaginatory. But now we know the life force is a real thing because we've discovered now something called biophotons. (laughs) Biophotons is actually the particles that constitutes the life force. And If you can apply the life force like they do in acupuncture and like I'm guessing that's what's activated in homeopathy too, you have this healing coming from within and waving out like like if you if you drop a stone in the water, you'll see these rings vibrating outwards. And that's kind of how I look at this now that it is not an imposing thing like surgery or like chemical medicine trying to force you said i think you said repress suppress suppress yes and here is the opposite is from within and outside so it's kind of boosting the immune system what what do you think about uh description here i think you gave a very excuse me eloquent comparison historically of the understanding of the recognition of resonance and how resonance is like you find too many likes here, like curing like. Mm. <clears throat> resonance is how um, just even when you meet somebody and it's all of a sudden so comfortable as if you know them. Uh, there's just something about your energetic that combines with theirs and it's an easy flow. And then with some people, you can meet them and just feel, I can't wait to get away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But there are common denominators, all those modalities that you were describing, and I have to get to something very intriguing uh, when I finish this, Mm -hmm. homeopathy, Chinese herbal medicine, uh, even acupuncture, they will treat. If you are a traditional Chinese medical practitioner, you will look at the organ system and the time of day when it is weak or when it is strong to treat. But Chinese herbal remedies are taken three times a day. Mm. Homeopathic remedies are generally taken three times a day. When I use my light-emitting diode uh, medical devices that work with biophotonic energy, which is an area I've researched for over 10 years, Al, so when you brought that up, that's, you know, that's one of my big loves because this is phenomenal. It's mind-blowing, but... My recommendations to patients are the same. Use it three times a day and you will notice the results that you're looking for. Now, legally, according to the FDA, we're allowed to claim that those LED medical devices uh, will increase the temporary uh, circulation in an area 
and they will temporarily remove pain. <clears throat> I have 10 years of feedback from people, from myself, from the, the dogs that I've worked with, uh, patients. I, I mean, it's incredible at, at different events with public speaking using these devices people are blown away. And this is one of the things that I call uh, for being a device of the future, if we're lucky enough to make sure we can have it available, that they don't shut that down as well. Mm. But it is that priming of the body several times a day to kick the immune system into working. So with homeopathy, you have a low dose, a very, very low dose. So if you look at milligram amounts, uh, on on a spectrum and you let's say have a scale with milligrams on the left and then when it gets down to zero when you're going to the homeopathy the homeopathics they're far to the right because they are lower and lower and lower and yet they still have their therapeutic benefit mm. <clears throat> excuse me it's the same thing with the LED technology with the wavelength from 630 to 680 uh, nanometers that has been proven by my friend and colleague, uh, Harry Whalen, who's a neurologist. He's in the NASA Hall of Fame. He's one of the people who has been at the forefront of LED technology for years and years. And he has shown that application of that wavelength will increase cellular production by feeding those little mini organelles inside each cell mm. with energetics of light, biophotonic energy. And that in turn enables those mini organelles that produce adenosine triphosphate mm. to increase that production from 200 to 400%. And that is outstanding. It's mind-blowing for a lot of people when you understand the impact that that has on healing or getting back into balance. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, when you uh, explained uh, homeopathy for us uh, just now, I also thought about, uh, you said it was cheap. <laughs> That's actually a problem for many reasons, because if they can't <laughs> monetize it that much as they can with traditional medicine, then you have an explanation too of why they hate homeopathy, the big um, pharmacy industries. But who are the people who produces the homeopathic remedies, the medicine? That's not the ordinary pharmacy companies, right? Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were at this point in time because they buy out everybody else. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there are certain big name companies and there are, are I mean, some that have been in business for years and years and years, and many have a very strict ethical standard that they apply to all levels of what they are doing with how remedies. There's some companies that actually hand succuss the remedies up to higher potencies. How they do it, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know <laughs> to get to those high numbers, but it is something that you can determine before you're deciding which company to buy from. Or you can question your practitioner and find out what kind of products that they are using. Hang, hang on. We determine, I mean, when I went to a homeopath, he gave me, like, like the doctor would do, he gave me the, uh, what's it called? We call it recept. Um, 
you get a note and you go to a pharmacist and you give it and they gave, gave you the medicine. I didn't choose anything. Yeah. But you're saying in America you choose your own uh, prescription. That's the word. Yeah. So I got a prescription. I went to the pharmacy. They gave me the homeopathic medicine and that's it. But in America, you can choose yourself. No, that, that wasn't what I was saying. Oh, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's okay. And I'm glad we're, we're clarifying it because I'm sure the audience didn't understand it either. So <laughs> let me, let me make it a little more well defined. What I'm referring to is there are companies and just as in any type of <clears throat> endeavor, whatever you're doing, some people have really high standards and they want to get the best quality and maybe you have to pay a little bit more whatever it is, and there might be some people that think it doesn't matter. So the patients, <laughs> see, this is where a lot of my colleagues don't like me because mm -hmm. I make sure my patients are very well informed about what is out there in the marketplace and what approach is it that you want and how are you pre-screening your physician. Mm. Uh, obviously, there comes a time when I've been absolutely delighted with my patients because the people I work with the longest, I have them get the home care kits. I teach them how to use them. I want them independent. Yeah. I want them to treat their families and themselves and not call me up. You know, send me a Christmas card. Let me know you're great. But this is about empowerment. And of course, in a more uh, severe situation, when you have something uh, that is acute and not just a long-standing chronic infection, then you want to make sure that your homeopathic physician, Chinese medical physician, naturopath, whatever they may be, that they have the qualifications that are things that you have researched and yeah. respect so it empowers your treatment even further, knowing the caliber of care that you're getting from your doctor. So there's all different types of care out there. Can any person just call himself a homeopath and set up, uh, or do you have some kind of protection? Because here, uh, I think there's two organizations, if it's not become one now, and you have to be licensed. Okay. But it's not from the state. They are self-organized. So how is it uh, in America? In America, in some states, only a medical doctor is allowed to practice homeopathy. Wow. And that is, yeah, and that's that's what's coming with this, this new law and the FDA having a supplement division now. They are saying, but we have, you know, there are laws being passed now that medical doctors can still recommend supplements. This is just breaking right now. Oh, wow. <clears throat> but what you see with homeopaths, there isn't stringent regulation. And sadly, I was in a position myself where I thought, look, I have all these years of experience working with homeopathy. Well, that should be good enough. <laughs> it's not good enough <laughs> because you need a license. You need a license. You need a degree. So I had double from traditional Chinese medicine, part of my scope of practice is the use of homeopathy. I also took national boards from the, and I have a diplomate from the National Homeopathic Board of Examiners. Mm. So it's, it's, I'm covered with my Chinese medical license and that I took those boards. Those are regulating uh, facilities where you have to show 
that you know what you're doing and in Chinese medicine yeah. for getting our our license to graduate not only do you have to pass your tests and pass your boards you have to do clinical work using herbs to treat your patients using homeopathy to treat your patients and using acupuncture to treat your patients and then if you learn about cupping and moxa and some of the electrostimulating uh, machines that are used those as well wow but these are things that are required and people dismiss, oh, yeah, all that, you know, stick a needle in someone. Oh, right. What does that do? <laughs> really? They're, they're skeptical towards acupuncture? Oh, they're skeptical towards everything. You know, yeah, they, okay. this is it. If you tell the lie often enough, people believe it and they're unsure and they, gosh, if they're going to say something to their doctor, then they're even more timid. Somehow, you have populations that have been brainwashed that their doctors are gods, and they forget. Yeah, yeah, here too, at least as strong as over there, but acupuncture has been vetted. I mean, even the debunkers, the skeptics, accept it. Of course, they, they don't think it cures anything serious, but at least they tolerate it uh, grudgingly. But okay. You're saying in America, acupuncture is not as, uh, should we say, It's accept accepted. It's accepted, it's understood, and it's recognized, but those debunkers, those trolls that yeah. you find all over the internet, and people have to understand what it means when you say don't feed the trolls, they're getting paid to be there and interrupt important conversations. If you try to convince them, and I see all these well-meaning people saying, well, I'm going to explain it to them. <laughs> that's music to their ears because they'll keep you busy. Yeah. So you can't do anything else. Good point. Ignore them, get on with what you're doing, and recognize it's that basic principle of telling the lie often enough. It doesn't have to have any truth to it. They just keep repeating the lie. Uh, to you trolls now who are going to comment when this <laughs> clip is on YouTube, the reason we will not correct your bullshit is precisely because we don't <laughs> want to waste our dist distract our energy, like Robin said. So, so that's the reason we're not debunking your your bullshit. So, yeah, continue. Okay, I mean, I'll just think about the worst thing possible. You know, you can insult and you can get into all these debates. The worst thing is when you ignore someone, yeah. <laughs> and that's what they deserve because they're, they're, they don't deserve any acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that, I guess, after I was first with Richard and dealing with all the trolls that were attacking him. Oh, yeah. he's Oh, my God. He's got it. Uh, yeah. For such a long uh, time. And then they attack mm. me. They attack me. And, oh, yeah. She's a homeopath. Yeah, ad hominem. I'm, you're, you're guilty uh, by association, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know. And, and, and it doesn't help that you're into homeopathy either. Well, and it doesn't help that here. I was there when Richard had his heart attack. I saved Richard's life wow. with the events that took place before he even got to where he had open heart surgery. Oh. There was a lot going on and a lot that... I treated immediately, mm. like when he was in the emergency room, like the whole time in all the critical care. And then later, after other procedures, Art Bell had the audience yeah, uh, do a visualization for yeah. a healing. Yeah. But, you know, nobody was doing that before when I had to get him to a point where he could even travel by ambulance 
and not have a big risk of dying in transport so that he could have these other procedures. Uh, and that's so many years ago, right? So, um, uh, yes. Obviously, it is, isn't it? Uh, ten years? How long in time? 1999. Much longer. Right, right. And, and now we're... Exactly. So, so that really worked. It worked, and the doctors were so... I, I don't know, intimidated by the, the pharmacy and the medical boards at the hospital at a big hospital in Florida that they told me I could give him anything I wanted by mouth because for them to requisition IV intravenous nutrition at that time, they would be bogged down in paperwork and the hospital wouldn't approve it. I, I have to tell you, the staff was happy that a physician was there to lighten their load and help take care of him. And, you know, I'm of the strong belief, and I hope the audience takes this to heart, don't leave anybody that is important to you alone in a hospital. If you have to sleep there, sleep there. Hmm. If you're able to, that's great. If you can't, you need to watch so carefully because the mistakes will drive you out of your mind and they will argue and you know ultimately you have to get their supervisors or the super 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 supervisors you have to persist when you know you are right and then it gets fixed but if you don't follow up people die i know i know i have to confess uh, a little anecdote to to back up that claim because uh, i had a partner uh, some years ago we we lived together and she was uh, fresh out of uh, as a nurse out of school and she was an idealist she she were there because she cared see she was working with old people and dying people in the beginning her first uh, job and she was shocked because she actually cared about these people she she wasn't wear down cynical mm-hmm. but she saw how most of the people who worked there where the longer they worked there, the less they had empathy with the patients. The patients were objects. And there was so much neglect. And she saved, just in the course of, I think it was seven, eight months, she saved three people's life. Okay. And if she didn't do and act as she did, if she uh, listened to how uh, and just follow the usual uh, procedures, these people would die. And this means that a lot of people are dying unnecessarily in hospitals, either because of neglect or because of mistreatment. Yeah, it's, it's. And I also know there's a huge scandal here in our country about how they've been trying to cover up uh, uh-huh. the unnecessary health problems people get in these situations. You don't get a lot of press. The state won't help you because, like I said earlier, we have a, state-sponsored medicine so the state is responsible too so yeah i know that's what's happening it's terrible it it hits home with me what you said about her experience because when i got out of chinese medical school i did a residency on south beach in florida in an aids clinic Mm. and what I found out here was some people I had gone to school with, and I thought, oh, this is great, be able to apply homeopathy and Chinese medicine. And I was, <laughs> you know, I had training for using uh, the Western uh, laboratory diagnostics and interpreting them and applying them for my patient. And I treated my patients as patients. And they would laugh and refer to, oh, that's that crazy one. Nah, nah, just, just ignore them, don't bother. 
And what did I do? I ordered the blood work because I listened to my patient. I did a thorough history and they had food allergies. They had other problems that were longstanding. And I remember this one Russian woman whose life had been devastated because of these horrific food allergies that broke down her body. So she had more and more sensitivities. And I had the blood work done to identify what was going on and treated her with homeopathics and nutritional supplements. And within a month's time, because she was very sensitive at her menstrual cycles and just would be totally unable to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And she came in and she came over to me and she was crying. She said, I have my life back. You gave me my life back. I couldn't believe to have my menstrual cycle and be able to go out like a human being and walk, not have to pull the covers over my head. And it's hard for people to think this is a big deal, Mm. but it's representational of so many other conditions that people have that can be dealt with. And they said she was crazy. And I had other patients that they said, we're crazy and and Mm. don't do anything. And I just followed through. And then they stopped me from ordering more blood work. Mm. They didn't want to deal with it. No, They just wanted to collect the money from Medicare, collect the money from trolling for patients because the government would pay them Mm. to treat these patients that were AIDS patients. And I couldn't take it anymore because you'd see patients that were living with their diseases when it came to that. Mm. And in the few months I was there, they all went downhill. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so giving attention, taking the patient uh, seriously and uh, notwithstanding the holistic approach that you have. Oh gosh. Yes. Yes. So important. And, and just as your partner explained to you, the importance of, looking and listening to the patient. Mm -hmm. And uh, if she saw the conditions in the States now, she would be so frustrated because this is what has happened to nursing care. What used to be, let's say, um, a load of patients for one day, maybe 10 years ago, might have been five patients. Mm. Now they might have 15 patients that they're responsible for. And there just is not enough time to do the job properly. Exactly. That's that's the problem. They're under pressure. They're underfunded. Uh, too little staff. Too many patients. Yes, it's like a it's a factory. It's become a factory. And w- what can you do? But let let's get a little back to the homeopathic principle because yeah. I, I still feel we haven't explored that enough yet. So we were, you were teaching us about this uh, just now, and I was noting down here that uh, we were talking about how water retains memory. And uh, if you understand vibrations that I know you do and uh, your husband, Mm -hmm. but if you understand a vibration, you also know that it needs a medium to move in and that different frequency, different hertz, different vibrational natures have different effects. Now you can have like dissonance, which will be, uh, detrimental effect. You can have harmonious effects. And uh, so I, I think maybe homeopathy should be regarded as a vibrational form of medicine. Because if you beam vibrations through the water and the water remembers this thing, that means that when you take homeopathic medicine, you actually 
take a particular kind of vibration. And if that vibration is correct mm-hmm. in terms of how it responds, how it meets the condition in your body, the vibration in your body, you can have, you can have the effect that uh, is so in vibrational uh, science that you can have either a, a resonance a dissonance or a neutral effect so uh, am i on to something here or oh i i think maybe your royal raymond rife uh <laughs> born again that's the principle of what rife did using resonant frequencies that's a principle of homeopathy uh that's mm. uh, it's a principle in in so many things even in chinese medicine chinese herbal medicine Uh, if you were to really understand the herbal decoction formula that your doctor gives you, they're differentiating all different aspects of your health, Uh, just as a homeopath does making a homeopathic remedy. So for the Chinese remedy, you do the same thing. Mm. But they, since they are using material that's on the left side of the line that has active measurable ingredients, not like the ones in homeopathy that are on the right side of the dividing line, going lower and lower in active amount, the Chinese medical doctors will include something to target the organ that might be the most afflicted, be it the liver, be it the kidneys. They will give you something as well that will make it easier for the stomach to tolerate the formula. And then they have the therapeutic benefits that are incorporated in the formula. And it's the same thing like with homeopathy, Al, that when you're seeing a Chinese medical physician, they have to check your pulses, which is a diagnostic method uh, on multi-levels, look at your tongue and go over your current symptoms, just as I will do. I mean, as a homeopath, if I see a patient, I integrate the Chinese medical approach so I have even more data Mm. to, you know, put in that whole mix and find what's most appropriate. But you find that this information that gets carried, that gets utilized, is repeated. And because you are stimulating the body for healing on an energetic level. Sometimes a body that's been beaten down and sickly for a long time, you got to get its attention. So you stimulate it several times a day, you know, throughout the day, three times or four. That will depend upon your individual practitioner. Mm. And then you get reevaluated the same way in Chinese medicine and homeopathy, which is fascinating Because what a person needs to know, we are in a constant stage of healing and renewal and change. Mm. And if you have a doctor that just refills your prescription, he is maintaining and suppressing symptoms and not doing his job. And when they add another prescription to the mess, oh my gosh, they don't know what gets created because you're unique and already under the influence of one drug. Mm. So it's it's a shifting... So it's a battlefield of different vibrations that's imposed in your body, and they don't know the what results will come from the different natural vibrations that you already have, and then the vibrations of the stuff that they put into you, right? 
Yes. And, and like I described with you about my first homeopathic experience, that suddenly I felt better. Mm. And I realized I didn't have any side effects, which was a big eye opener, because uh, I didn't know what homeopathy was. Had I known and been familiar with all the propaganda, I might have thought, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. But I respected my friend who recommended it and tried it, and it worked. Mm. Whereas two visits to a medical doctor did not work. So it's it's listening and the the biggest thing that the audience can take away and this you know is something that's priceless guys if you will keep a diary of how you feel what makes you feel better what makes you feel worse uh the more you get into it you will apply it to more areas like if you brush your teeth in the morning when you wake up or when you first wake or after you eat certain things or if you use uh, you wash your hair with a shampoo or you go to work and there's something in the environment there. As you document, you have something to look back on after a few weeks. And lo and behold, there are patterns that emerge. And I consistently got the same feedback from patients, Al. You know what they all said? Mm-hmm. I didn't need you. I could have kept the diary myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, great, now do it and follow what your body's telling you yeah yeah but that's the best kind of doctor isn't it the one who <laughs> in fact let me confess that in all my years i've always said that there there are no healers except for one because even a surgeon if if you don't if your body if your vital force whatever if your immune system if that doesn't work you can have the best top experts. You can have a surgeon, uh, ordinary medicinal doctor. You can have all kinds of alternative medicines. It doesn't help. Who is the real healer? That's the body, the life force, the immune system. And the medicines we get, the operations we get, the remedies, all these things are just meant to help restore the natural condition, the natural vibrations in your body. And some do not restore anything. Pardon? Sadly, what? some of them do. Some of them do not restore any of the natural functions. Yeah, you're, t- you're thinking about the chemical medicine. Oh, I'm thinking about surgeries, and I'm thinking yeah. about uh, a lot of misrepresentations that you don't need this part of your body, and you don't need that part of your body. Yeah, yeah, removing stuff. But let's say, let's say they are sewing a wound back, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I would still die. If not my, if not my immune system helped healing that. So, so I would say that uh, doctors and uh, surgeons and uh, alternative medicine issues, everyone, they are just facilitating the healing. They are helping the healing, but they are not really the healers. The, the body is the healer. Yes. That, that, that's how I view it. You are completely right. And this is why, oh gosh, I don't really work with a lot of people because I'm not the easiest person to work with. Really? I, well, because if I can do my job, I know somebody gets better. Mm. And if they're not compliant, which is exasperating me with some of my friends right now, I can't do my job. I can't get them better. And it's just, you know, not going to be the outcome that I deliver for my patients because they're compliant. But the key to getting people to be compliant, Al, is when you educate them. Mm. And some people just don't want to be educated. They want a quick fix. They want to be told what to do. Mm. And they will never take care of themselves. 
I am interested in what I do with one patient that they will go and share with their friends and family and help others to be independent as well. Mm. That's how I look at things. Mm. But if we, if we go back to, to we, we, we talked in part one about the vaccines and you said something very, you're the first person who said that because I've been wondering ever since I realized what the homeopathic principle is based on. And when I heard what the vaccine principle is based on, kind of it dawned upon me, but there's a kinship here. But I've never heard anyone at either side of that fight pointing that out until you said that now. So, so that was actually one of the things I was going to ask you about. So I don't understand why homeopaths were critical to vaccines when that became a, a huge thing. And, uh, uh, and today when they are alienating homeopathy and pushing the huge vaccine uh, regime with uh, they're trying to get mandatory vaccines even here Uh it's kind of weird that because the vaccines is the same principle because if you if you get a little amount of what's is the problem you kind of provoke the body to react to it and in that uh, it produces antibodies i think is the word uh-huh. and so that you can you can battle it in the, in the future so it's actually helping so in the root of it it sounds like a sound principle so could you explain to us first of all why is it that vaccines and homeopathy are in conflict uh, apparently at least at a political level and uh, if it's based upon the same principle why isn't uh, why, why aren't the homeopathic vaccines, for instance? So, so there what's are. all this? There are. Okay, tell us. Explain. Well, there are. And I'm always leery about what I say because then they try to shut things down. Uh, but they have ways <clears throat> for you to be inoculated if you're traveling to India or other parts of the world to just take certain remedies that will stimulate your body's immune system to kick in and be prepared Mm. with what you're asking me about that history that's shared. There are ways of taking homeopathics. You can do oral sprays. You can do under the tongue where the blood vessels are and the oral mucosa absorbs everything. You can have eye drops. You can have injectables. That's I was trained in using those at the university of Miami Miller school of medicine from everything from uh, aesthetics for a facial body rejuvenation to damage and injury and trauma and organ regulation. I mean, wonderful, wonderful things that you can do. And there's another method called imbrication. Imbrication is something you might, re, you know, just put on the side for a patient who might have a weaker immune system. Mm. And what you do, you take a terry cloth towel and you rub the belly or the thigh until it reddens so when it reddens it means there's more circulation Mm. then you apply the homeopathic drops or cream on that reddened area so it will be absorbed but it gets absorbed more slowly through the skin because when it gets absorbed in the mouth those blood vessels will get it directly in the system that are under the tongue So you have different ways of taking all of these things. And when you, you know, I I thought this was like 
common sense for people that you know what Jenner did. I mean, it was so classic. I remember the details from when I was probably in junior high school Mm. about this because I had advanced classes at the time. And you recognize he took pus from one of the blisters. I sent you a page where it shows the the, the woman milking the cows. Mm -hmm. You take that pus, make scratches in the skin so that it goes into the blood and then it gives them that immune system reaction mm. where the body makes antibodies and it will not have those ulcerating sores anymore from the cowpox. Hmm. But what has happened and where you're saying that those ingredients or components, which are referred to as adjuvants, that stimulate the immune system to react to the vaccine yeah. – Well, if those were clean, then it wouldn't be an issue. But when they are using, and this is in Gardasil, which is going to, when this busts, it's going to be one of the biggest scandals about vaccinations with the the human recombinant DNA that was found by SaneVax.org in their chemical analysis. I mean, you have, as I said, the heavy metals from cadmium, aluminum, mercury. Uh, I forgot one of these other poisons poisons and i interviewed this doctor. squalene well squalene is is not a, a clear-cut poison squalene okay. is something naturally occurring that you get from whales mm. uh, and the whales make this and it's used as a, a skin softener but it has a reaction on the immune system that it is an irritant and that's what all of these things are yeah. they're irritants but you can use irritants that are safe not ones that are toxic. Yeah. So here I am interviewing a doctor uh, who was presented to me. Oh, he's against mercury and he'll be wonderful and you'll just have a great show. And I'm, I'm asking him, well, why are you just limiting to mercury? We know the deadly effects of aluminum. Mm. We know the deadly effects of cadmium you know, and squalene and all these other chemicals mm. and, and fetal tissue that people do not want to have. He said, well, mercury is the big deal. I said, but... Why, if you're going to get mercury out, why don't you clean the whole thing up all at once? Yeah. What did you say? No answer. No answer. No, no, no. No answer. And that's the stuff that exasperates me. So, so this is why homeopaths are not in favor of vaccines then, because of all the the pollution they put in it. So, if so, you could say that there could be, in principle, clean vaccines that wouldn't be a problem then. That wouldn't be a principal problem for people with a holistic view. Theoretically, yeah, there there could be something clean, and there are some that approximate that in Europe, where mm. they don't have the chemical adulterants. You know mm. what gets exported, or what used to get exported to the European Union, were these clean products. And then when you look at the package insert for the United States and what gets exported, how people allow this to be done to them and their children and their mm. loved ones boggles my mind yeah but they don't know they don't know it's ignorance you can look at it side by side you can look at a label made by heinz the big food company heinz that uh, john Kerry's wife had inherited from her first husband uh and that i where i get my eco ketchup from yeah okay i don't think her family owns it anymore but that label for the european union and i'm sure for your country as well would have tomato paste sugar, uh, water, possibly salt, and maybe that was it. 
in the United States? Preservatives, chemicals, synthetic this, synthetic Mm -hmm. that. You can see the label side by side. And why is it okay to poison people in the United States or third world countries when this was refused by the European Union? So if you let me go on with this, there's a point because this is where the trade treaties come in. Mm -hmm. And one of the explanations of this horrible restriction of trade when people discriminate against certain products and say they're not safe. In essence, if you do that, you are restricting the ability of that corporation to make money than for them to sell their product. And restriction of trade when a company is signatory to a trade agreement is something that is actionable, which means you can have a world court hearing to go over this, just like what happened with Canada and Mexico stating that the United States restricted trade by labeling the country of origin, what's referred to as cool, on the meat that was brought into the United States from Canada which was much cleaner than what was in the United States. But Canada and Mexico claimed that they were discriminated against because people thought they were better off buying American. They didn't know any better. Mm. Yeah. And and I think TISA, TTPA, whatever, all these abbreviations, I think it's the end game for the corporatism. If they manage to push this through, and it's looking very bad right now, then we're done. We're done. Unless Unless we get... Politicians who just say, I don't care what we signed, up yours. Yes. And, and, and just re- the politicians, they play along with this bullshit, even though it's constitutionally uh, illegal. But let's, you know what? Let's not go down that road. We'll never get uh, finished. It's, we, it need, we're going to have <laughs> programs on that, actually. Yes. So, uh, yes. And it's, it's just for people to understand maintaining their rights. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that suffices when people look at what happened to Greece, the the game has been exposed. Mm. Yeah, I remember this woman called Jane Burgermeister or something. I was thinking ah. of her when you were talking about these scandals in the vaccines. Yes. Uh, so she she alerted. What, what was it? She alerted us off again. Okay. Jane Bergmeister. Oh, this is a long story. Um, because short Jane, version. I have several questions here lined up for you. Yeah, the short version with Jane. Jane has been slandered. Jane has been abused. They tried to put her in mental hospitals for filing cases against the United Nations or the World Health Organization about the dangers of the vaccines. Hmm. Back in, I think it was 2009, I just forget if it was 2009 and 11 or 11 with the H1N1, Jane had had these petitions going against these uh, government organizations. And at that time, they were creating a batch of flu vaccine. And this was made by Baxter Laboratories. And when Oh, it- yeah, it was the Tamiflu, right? Uh, not the Tamiflu. Oh, it was for the, the, um, for the H1N1 flu. And what they claimed happened, which anybody that has any background in, in medicine or in mm. research or in high-level clean labs understands these accidents don't happen, what a load of crap it is, that they actually told people this as if, oh, yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah. When you have to sign things in and out and everything is on camera, they don't make mistakes like that. <laughs> no. But – 
what happened and what Jane brought to everybody's attention was the fact that when the 72 kilos that were made of vaccine, when they reached Czechoslovakia, and pardon my uh, little bit of uh, humor here, the Czechoslovakian people checked by using the vaccines on ferrets that have a respiratory system the same as humans or as close as possible. Mm. And when they found the compelling results, now what would you think would be so compelling? Let's say all of those ferrets died. Is that compelling? <laughs> wow. They realized something was wrong with the vaccine. Yeah. So Jane got the light shown on that, and this was looked into. And then the claims came out about accidental contamination with live virus of 72 kilos. A bit too much for me to wrap my mind around. And I have to say, I, I've been trying to get back with Jane, and I don't know what is going on with her right now. But I did a special show. She, she's still alive and well, right? Oh, yes, she is. I heard from her, but I couldn't get her on, and I have to see what's happening. But at that point... Hang on. Are you in touch with her at an uh, irregular basis? Um, I was in touch with her probably uh, a month or two ago. Okay. I'm happy to get you in touch with her. Yeah, because we've been thinking in the future to have a program with her about this thing. So, yeah. She is great. She is great. Mm -hmm. And she has paid the price from her professional career to allegations against her mental health, every way she could be attached. Yeah, because she was an insider, right? She was a whistleblower. Well, she was a whistleblower, but she was a medical reporter. So she had oh, stand yeah, that's for what, what she was saying to be taken with some degree of acknowledgement and explored further. And when all of that happened, there was all the hype about this H1N1 uh, coming out of Mexico. And Richard and I had been there. They were We were filming a documentary with NBC Sci-Fi, and they claimed all the people in Mexico were deathly ill in Mexico City and that they were wearing masks and the ERs were overloaded. We had filmed at uh, Teotihuacan outside of Mexico and in Mexico City itself in some of the poorer areas, which are usually the ones that are hit worse by these outbreaks of disease. Mm. We didn't see any sick people. I came back to the States. I followed the story. And this was from April to talking with George Norrie at the time. Uh, I was very thrilled that he agreed to do an important show about vaccinations that I produced and co-hosted with him. And Jane was one of our guests. Oh, hmm. And I had Jane, Andrew Molden, another doctor who's come under horrific attack, who is not with us anymore. And there were very suspicious circumstances. He had blockbuster information that we'll go into when we do vaccines. Hmm. And then Barbara Lowe Fisher, who is the founder of uh, the National Vaccine Information Center. But it was important that this information get out in August before the kids went back to school. So I had that compliance at the time from Coast, which was wonderful. And we got the information out. And a lot of other people rose up and started recognizing the problems that they were facing. And they wound up trying to give away the vaccine because people didn't want it. Mm. Mm. So... Here in That's, Norway, it's uh, well known that um, the group of people who uses the least vaccines mm -hmm. are the children of doctors. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, that's actually bad because it means that they know, but they don't dare, they don't dare say anything. And we've had uh, scandals with, uh, uh, I, I don't know the word, but they, they put into the female 
sterilization or no 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 they put it into it's supposed to prevent cancer in their womb uterus okay is it some of the tests that are they used they put in uh, something there hpv I don't know. It's a, it's a female thing. And they give it to very young children, long before they become sexually active. And it only lasts for a couple of years. So there's no point. They give it to, to children who maybe are eight, nine. And then, um, they're supposed to prevent them from getting, uh, sexually. It's, it's the, it's the human papillomavirus that you're talking about. And that's Probably, what the, yeah. the guarded, no, that, that, if, if it's HPV, and that's what Gardasil is for. But when you, I mean, this is for a vaccine show, all these details about why it doesn't work and why it's yeah. so deadly and dangerous. And people died here in Norway from that. I, and here in the States, people died. I've mm. personally gone to see a young woman whose life was ruined and her mother let them keep giving her vaccines. And I, I you know, what no, can you do? No, what can you do? Well, we can help educate them. And um, in that respect, let's move on to... You, you were talking about uh, this interesting thing about uh, yeah, how homeopathy works. And it struck me that the weakest link in the chain, so to speak, would be for a homeopath to give the proper diagnosis. Because you have a me- medical principle here, that sound, that works. Oh, yeah. And then you have the performer, the homeopath. But you also have to have an understanding that, okay, you, my patient, your problem belongs to this type of vibration, whereas you, the other patient, you should get this. So how do the homeopaths know what to give? Because I'm seeing here that there are two possibilities. You can have a preconceived notion, like a system like uh, to use a metaphor astrology if you're an astrologer you kind okay. of learn what the different stuff means but you could have an other approach too a more experimental where you look at how stuff work and then you figure out what belongs to what which yeah. what creates the right resonance so you can either have a preconceived system or you can have an experimental approach and this doesn't only apply for a correct diagnosis but it also applies in order to put the right vibration into the medicine so to speak was this too complicated do you understand my question no, I understand what you're saying, and, and what you're talking about is something that is called empirical evidence, which is not always taken into consideration by Western medicine, yeah. and that's when you acquire your treatment plan, your understanding of treatment of what goes on with the patient by observation or as you experiment. Yeah. And that's why originally you would have study groups that Samuel Hahnemann formed where people would share their experience with using different homeopathics. Oh, so he actually, so, so he didn't just come and say, this is how it works. He actually observed. Oh, he treated himself. He treated himself mm. with quinine and saw that it caused the symptoms of malaria. And that was how he realized, wait a second, if this will give me those symptoms, what happens if I try it on a patient right. who already has the symptoms? Will it have that resonance and match up and ultimately cancel it out? Yeah, Hahnemann, just to, for the listeners, is Samuel Hahnemann is this uh, doctor who launched homeopathy back in the day. So, yeah, 
Yeah, one of the best known physicians. There's Hahnemann's University, which the allopaths couldn't wait to take over and leave the name on it and make it, you know, all allopathic medicine. Yeah. But that's that's where they talk about observing and recording the data. And that's what the study groups around the world would report to Hahnemann with, what their experiences were. And from those study groups, I'm getting to the answer that you want, there is something called the Materia Medica. The Materia Medica is a book that you can find the ones in older style of language, which is important to know. Medical terminology is important to know. Mm. So you can understand what they're saying about conditions that are not spoken of the same way anymore. And you can find current ones. I I guess I'm like a dinosaur. I like to stick <laughs> with the older ways. Yeah. And I find that there are computerized programs. I've looked at them. And when I compare my experience for a patient with every time I pick up that book, and it is a well-worn book, Al, uh, and I look up the remedy that seems to be indicated, and I look up the others, I'm always learning something else. There's another nuance. There's another little thing there that gets me, oh, that's my patient. Mm. This, you know, this speaks out to me as being much more compelling a choice than some of the others. Now, when you can do that using the computer programs, uh, you can get great results, great um, diagnostics and therapeutics, but I just don't feel satisfied Uh, For me, I want to see that extra because there could be something else when you're going to see how the condition can change. These little things that are right in your mind at the time you're looking for that specific condition, I find them very important. And you might have people tell you, you know, they don't agree with what I have to say and whatever it is, you have to understand what you're doing and your training and your years of observation and go with that because there will be some, there always is someone who disagrees and wants to attack. But when you get the results and getting results in dogs, uh, I can't program a dog to have a major behavioral change, you know? So there's no placebo when it comes to animals. No. And, and homeopathy, yeah, sure. So does that answer? That's the book you look at. Yeah, but, but I'm thinking if you look at acupuncture, they have a system, like an understanding. Now, I'm not even discussing if it's correct or not, <laughs> but they have like a preconceived system of how stuff is. Yeah. But if I understand you correctly then, um, homeopathy is pretty similar to allopathy in that they are in ever development, that they are experimental, they're observing, they're verifying, and they're adjusting. Yes. If I understand you correct. Yes, except the major difference is that allopathic medicine suppresses symptoms. Yeah, yeah, but now you're talking about the mechanism of it. I'm just talking about the how it develops. Because if you go back in the day, uh-huh. you have uh, Galen's uh, before allopathic and even before homeopathic. You had like the Galen system, yeah, which was inherited, full of dogmas. And then you had Paracelsus and the alchemist approach. And, uh, and actually, Paracelsian medicine back then was more experimental than... Galen, uh-huh. because the Galen system had frozen. It was probably alive and well back in uh, the ancient Greece. 
but you know in the middle ages uh, <laughs> the the uh, leeches and all that stuff. No, it, it needed a reformation. And you had innovative people like uh, Nostradamus was actually a very bright doctor. And, and they learned about you could wash your hands. They discovered stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They started to uh, dissect bodies to understand anatomy and stuff. So you had people like the alchemists, like uh, Paracelsus, who used preconceived principles and understanding of the vibrations, but they needed to understand what it would work towards. So they experimented. And I, I kind of have always regarded homeopathy as a child of the Paracelsian uh, medicine, because I know that Rudolf Steiner, when he developed his uh, anthroposophical medicine, he actually combined principles from Paracelsus and Hahnemann. Okay. So it's a very compatible system. I don't know if you know anything about these things. This is a pretty obscure old stuff, but um, any comments? Well, I'm, I, I have some basic familiarity with, with a lot of these things. And, you know, you have your roots in many different great thinkers of the time. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of the things that those great thinkers said at the time were completely ignored mm. uh, because they didn't really have a lot of ways for proving them. And you look at the understanding, uh, I believe, with Paracelsus. Didn't Paracelsus be, be, be believe in the energetics of all things in existence? Oh, yeah, indeed. But but also just sober stuff like wash your hands. Um, well, that was Ignatius Semmelweis, who was the, the biggie for childbirth, for cutting down the, the death rate of mothers yeah. uh, who died from it. Um, but yes, there, there were those earlier ones as well mm. who talked about washing your hands, something common sense. So you, you look at all of these ideas and, uh, you know, alchemy is just something that's absolutely fascinating. I'm also a goldsmith and a silversmith. Oh. So I, I've alloyed my own gold and I've, I've just, it's magic. You know, it's magic. You may find interest in our future series on alchemy then. We're going to interview different alchemy experts. So, yeah. Ah, mm. I'd love it. I'd love it. Mm. And all sorts of alchemy, because the kind of alchemy I'm talking about now in regards of homeopathy is called spagyrics. It's oh. this, uh, uh, you use apply the alchemy principle, but you can use it on minerals, like you're talking about gold and, and, and stuff like that, but you can also use it in plants. So it's actually, it's actually probably the optimal medicine, uh, nature medicine. You take plants and plants already have an effect, but you even boost that effect so you get a super medicine that's spikegyrics for you Ah, <laughs> huh, okay yeah, you should look into that uh, yeah yeah i will that that's very interesting there's mm. oh you know you you cross over into so many areas when you get into alchem alchemical procedures and the intention of the healer yes. the expectation of the patient all of these play such a critical part and the life force notwithstanding yeah mm. yeah you have to have an ability to respond and that's why periodically as your grandmother told you the body needs to understand how to calibrate itself yeah. when it gets a cold or something like that so there there's there's an awful lot and it's fascinating because the more you look into all these things, you will find so many common denominators mm. in other areas. And they might not seem obvious, 
<clears throat> excuse me, until you look a little deeper. It's like, um, oh, was it Galen who came up with the idea of arterial circulation? Mm. And you look at what acupuncture shows us with the meridian systems. The meridian systems are these 12 main, and then they have some others, pathways through the body on which energy travels. And the basic principle in Chinese medicine is if you have a blockage, mm. and obstruction, that energy is not traveling freely. It cannot get to a problem. It cannot heal it. It cannot remove it. You have to first remove the blockage or the obstruction. Yeah, it's like a short circuit, right? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Mm. You make all of these other connections, just like now it's automatic, talking about my brain and I'm talking about I have to access my files <laughs> and get the right prompt. You know, all of these, you find the common denominators. Mm. And you have that going back 5,000 years ago where the Chinese laid out and had medical books showing the meridian systems. Yeah. And you think about energy medicine and the pathways for energy that are just like your veins carrying blood that exist in the body. It's hard when you look back over all of this to start throwing out uh, homeopathics as energy medicine, um, so many other areas. And I'm really, you've really piqued my interest to see this uh, Spigerics. 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 Yeah. I recommend some books offline when we're done here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so there, there are things that work and people that observe carefully and keep the data, you will find that there are just common areas. Yeah. I mean, it might sound simplistic, but that's truly what, what comes through when you see the results that get achieved. Mm. Uh, time is running away here. I have a, a few more questions for you, but uh, nothing I think that would extend this too much. I think it's pretty easy going for you to answer this because I think people want to know what homeopathy is good for. I mean, they have heard us discuss today all, all sorts of stuff, everything from from uh, animals <laughs> to, you mentioned heart attack of your husband. And we, we, we listened to the debunkers and the agents, actually. And when you said earlier today that people are paid for it, it may sound like mm. you're paranoid and it's a conspiracy theory, but it, it's been revealed, it's documented. We know for a fact, people can Google it, that it's actually a deliberate plan as a part of the information war. So these things happen. But no, I'm, no, I'm derailing myself. Let's get back <laughs> to the question here. So, so what can we use it for? We can't use it for heavy stuff like cancer, can we? Gosh, that's a really big question, <laughs> Al. And this is the internet, so you can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, no. You see, it's very different. I'm a licensed healthcare practitioner. Oh. And in the United States, you are legally allowed to treat cancer by yeah. mutilation, I mean surgery, yeah. uh, poisoning, I mean chemotherapy, <laughs> or burning up, I mean radiation. Right. Those are the legally accepted ways of treating now, Brute attacks, yes. Well, <clears throat> what <clears throat> – I'm sorry, this gets me because one of the main side effects of radiation and chemotherapy 
are the development of new cancers or the return of the old cancer. Mm. <clears throat> and the life expectancy being five years is because they know your average person might make it that far and they can call it a success. Oh. When they look at numbers going out to 10 years, they're dead. Yeah. The majority. There are some that aren't. So what can homeopathy be used for? It is going to be dependent upon the practitioner you're working with. For myself, <clears throat> the way I would treat myself and the way I do treat myself, I don't just use homeopathy. I don't just use Chinese medicine. I just don't. I include from the LED therapy using light frequencies to my homeopathics, to my food as my medicine, mm. to my herbals, to so many different areas. Everything plays a part. And then you got to clean up your environment, what you're living with. But you can safely use homeopathy for allergic problems. Uh, there are companies in the United States that go by zone for different areas of, of this country. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they make remedies using the local pollen <clears throat> and grasses the things that cause the most allergic responses and they put them in a homeopathic remedy. And I brought Morella back from Texas. She was in San Antonio and I drove to get her. And when she laid on the grass behind my house in Albuquerque, where we were living at the time, it looked like somebody put an iron okay. on the inside of her thighs. She got burnt so badly from the grass. Oh. And this wasn't grass that was sprayed it was just an allergic reaction. So I did some checking and found that, lo and behold, exactly what I needed was being made by a company in Albuquerque. Mm. And the homeopathic remedy worked great for her. You can use homeopathics like a silicoxenum, which I recommended, for colds. Highly effective. Mm. <clears throat> colds, flus. I've used it for... Oh, my God, 1980s? I don't even want to think how long I've used it when I first learned about it. You need to take a drink a little water or something before you go on? I just did. I drank some of my tea. Okay. <laughs> Thank Cause you. Because you, you can't drink water yeah. while you're talking, I was thinking, because I was want to give you a break here. But It's a challenge. It's uh, a challenge. That's why it's always nice when I'm not doing the news by myself because <laughs> it's like, okay, guys, sorry, I have to take a drink of water. Okay, but, but go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sure, sure. But you, you have... All of these <clears throat> different areas with these different types of approaches, you have um, different homeopathic formulas. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm re reluctant because they're trying to remove so many of them. Hmm. But you can find your basics and you can find one of the, the great times, the, one, the, the great items, uh, they're called polycrests. Because they have multiple applications for many different conditions. And Arnica Montana is one of those, sulfur, so many others. But it's the amount of information that a patient provides their practitioner that will allow them to be able to treat the conditions they are experiencing. And that's the key. But would you recommend that... Uh Are there certain kinds of illnesses or, or diseases or health problems that you recommend that they could just as well just go directly to the homeopath without going by the doctor first? Well, if you're in a car accident, obviously you want to get to a 
emergency room. Yeah. You know, if you've got broken bones and you have open gaping wounds and head trauma, yeah. you want to get Western medical attention. Mm. And sadly, here in the United States, where I think, I don't know what we ranked, the last thing I saw five years ago was that we were number 37 for medical care and we're probably lower. Many areas of this country don't even have the people on staff, so they have to medevac by helicopter patients out to other states, other big cities. Mm -hmm. But when you have emergency medicine, you want to go to an emergency room. Uh, When you're going to have certain diagnostic tests done, you want to first thoroughly research them, ask all the questions, what are the side effects, do not let anybody inject you with a gadolinium dye. There is a whole syndrome of complications of people whose immune systems have been devastated. And I'm talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who've had these different types of testing and they use gadolinium dye and it just messed up their lives. Then there are contrast dyes. It used to be that people were pre-screened to make sure they had an allergic reaction they don't really bother anymore. So there's a lot. But those diagnostics are great. And then you got to ask yourself, someone like Richard was so fortunate. We had a friend, David Haylock, who's founder of the Vision Earth Society. He's in Miami. And he helped us because we worked together on the Miami Circle to make sure that Richard had IV vitamin C therapy, Mm. chelation therapy, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I have to tell you, Richard was not a good patient. (laughs) This was all made available for him because these people had the most, oh, so much respect for his work and contributions to knowledge in this world. I mean, truly, they wanted to make sure they kept him alive. And he would be arguing, oh, I don't need to go and I don't need to go. And sometimes it just wasn't worth pushing it. So I think of how much faster his healing could have progressed, but it went very quickly. But there's a lot to be said for that energy when people focus on you, but you got to have the ability to get to the position first where they can do that and to continue the results afterwards. So he had many homeopathic remedies that I used for him. The doctors had no problem with that before surgery because they knew it was not going to interact with anything. So I was able to give him that immediately before and immediately after. Um, Not everybody will have the same opportunity. Uh, So a lot of people look for colds and flus, those basics. To do a more detailed analysis, Al, Mm -hmm. you want somebody that goes over your history and will be treating you according to the amount of time you've had the symptoms that you're presenting with and then reevaluating you properly. But for colds and skin rashes and the basic quickie stuff, you can clear them by enabling the body's immune system to be able to be stimulated and therefore the body will take care of itself. Mm, mm. Mm. Does that help? <laughs> yes, yes, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so, uh, okay, L- last question then before we wrap this up. I, I kind of touched upon it, uh, but we didn't uh, explore it. I was saying that the weakest link would be, I think, the practitioner's understanding of how to, what kind of medicine should go to what kind of problem. 
and uh, I, I don't understand properly how they are trained. Obviously, they need to get some kind of thumb rules. They can't just intuitively decide these things, uh, I guess, because this is some kind of science. So yeah. how does that work? How does the homeopath understand that? Okay, uh, because you, you say yourself it's a holistic thing. So there's so many factors you have to account for. That has to mean that there has to be some very lousy homeopath who almost get no <laughs> results. And there has to be some super homeopaths that, bam. Yes. And and that's kind of bad for homeopathy too, because... But it's the same thing. It's the same thing with Western medicine. You have them doing arthroscopic surgery on people's knees yeah. and over 80% of those surgeries are useless. Yeah. And they still do it. Except uh, Western medicine is protected by the state, so they can fuck up as much as they want. Uh, well, but whereas if, if some bad practitioners uh, could be kind of dragging down the whole field, uh, I imagine, of homeopathy, if they're bad enough. Well, you get bad practitioners like a Western medical doctor that uh, told 1,200 patients who didn't have cancer that they did so he could treat them with radiation and chemo and make more money. You know, he's since gone to... That's fraud. One thing is idiots, but that's corruption. He's killed people. Because the side effects of chemo radiation, you know, are cancer and they can be death because it destroys the immune system. So you look at, yes, there's the good and the bad. And that's why I say you need to educate a patient about what you as an individual practitioner offer to them and give them information so that they can do their research. Because if they don't feel comfortable it's not going to work. Let, you know, for me, I'd rather they go see somebody else. Don't waste my time. Don't waste their time. Yeah. But you want to get an understanding so people know, yes, there's lots possible. And you don't have to feel sick going through it, but you have to be a part of your treatment. You have to give that accurate information because you're the one inside the body. I can only observe. And when you give me the feedback as to the changes that have taken place, I then modify what we're doing so we are current and we don't hold back a healing process. We enable it to continue and resolve all of those conditions. But wouldn't that mean that the the better the practitioner knows the patient or the better chemistry they have, the better outcome uh, the treatment will have? Hmm, not necessarily. I've had people amaze me. Um, yeah, there are some people, I think the people in my radio audience, Al, they are so bright. <laughs> they are so well informed. Sounds like we have the same listeners then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. And it's like, wow, you know, you guys are amazing. They're on top of so much. So they understand. With understanding comes your ability to pay attention to what your body's telling you. Because if you listen to Western medicine, they're going to tell you that's not important. Mm. But it is critical. And it's the the number one building block for people to listen and pay attention to what their body's telling them. I'll mentor that. So, yeah, there's the, the good and the bad, but there's the good and the bad with everything. Yeah, it is. Well, okay, it's been quite a ride, Robin. Um, you're you're really a resourceful person, and and I think uh, when I eventually marry, I think I'll I'll do as Richard. I think I'll find a homeopath or something, <laughs> <laughs> so so I can have as many heart attacks. 
Oh, please, don't even put that energy out there. No. You won't need them. You're doing the right things now to protect yourself. So you're a great example. Yes, I've been very healthy lately. Um, so, yeah, I'm pleased with that. But you you don't have any books out, do you? Um, no, I don't. I was My research into the LED light-emitting diode technology was really on a great roll, and I thought there was one method, and I had a book in the works. It just needed to be updated when I found that there was another system that was being used that had very beneficial effects, great therapeutic effects. So that had me broaden my horizons because i got to be accurate mm-hmm when there's other things that work in the same field to include them. And that just meant a whole lot of more, you know, a whole lot more of backup and footnoting about that area of research and not just what I had covered to date. Yeah, but you're such a knowledgeable person. Wouldn't you want uh, sometime um, in the future then to, to, to write the book? I, I do want to do that. And I, my... What really appeals to me is the whole idea of biophotonics, understanding of the life force of the food that you pick fresh from the garden, how the cells hold on to it. But that's the energy that these LED machines are putting into your cells because it's that wavelength of light and they can actually measure how a cell can hold on to the higher quality of food from the garden and how it can hold on to the machine-generated wavelength. Mm. So I, that, that, that is it. I want to see this equipment alongside the automatic electronic defibrillators for accidents, for sports events. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah. But maybe you don't need to write the book because you do have your radio show. So you, you, you get information out that way. I was, uh, I didn't do my home lesson good enough. So I thought, <laughs> uh, when you said the radio show, I was thinking about Rich's radio show, but, uh, it's not on his station you're having your show, right? No, no. His station is a focus on paranormal. I didn't quite meet the grade. <laughs> Of, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, uh, but no, this this was not an issue with my my being there. Now, um, I've been at Revolution Radio. Before that, I was at Radio RMN, and Revolution Radio is the brainchild of Hawk. Uh, he's known as Hawk Mike Ringley, and he is amazing. I think of the things that he does to keep things together, and he does have some staff, but we are all volunteer. Is this an old school radio, or are you online, or both? We're, we're online, and there is some live broadcasting that he does. There's pickup and repeats in, in other countries. There's tune in, and there's iTunes. I mean, there's all different ways yeah, yeah. that people listen. So when you try to get your basic numbers sometimes it becomes a little bit challenging but it is a network where we're not censored unless somebody is really extreme and then they go and um, it's pretty much a disclaimer is made before the shows that this is the opinion of the host and Mm. that is fine because uh, you know there there are a lot of things that go around and you look at big corporate networks i don't have to name any names and people wonder what happens after suddenly there might be a show that's really giving them great cutting edge information and then you're hearing all this like stuff that you're really not interested in Mm. but they have to answer to their corporate boards 
And some things that they might get into could step on the toes of their big pharma members, of their natural gas, of their oil, of these other members of the board. So, you know, maybe they've got to soft pedal some of those areas. Yeah, but look, mainstream media is dying. They are just, uh, mm. they just take, need some time to die. So as long as the internet is free, this, what we're doing here, the niches, the, the advertisement free, no corporation, uh, grip. And also the, the fact that the internet is kind of anarchistic. It's the only anarchistic uh, nation in the world. <laughs> That's the internet. I love it. Yes. yes. And, and we don't have to disclaim it. If I want to say fuck, I say fuck. Now, of course, we have. <laughs> I can't. I can't on my network because oh. we're carried on live air in certain <laughs> okay. places. So I can't. And they they don't – people that know me know that this has been a major achievement on my part. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. But that's great. Yeah, we, we people can go to your presentation page at our website. We're going to put that up and uh, they can find all the links to – to your different stuff. Is there anything you want to pitch before we, we say adieu? Um, well, sure. You know, healthfreedomrights.com is a way to reach me. Of course, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Skype, but they can use info at Health Freedom Rights or just the contact us button. And there are very few things that, that I sell, but the light machines are my passion. Cool. And as I said, my network, Revolution Radio, is all volunteer. So nobody gets paid. Right. So it's very nice to to do other things. And, you know, I do consult with patients all over the world. Yeah. Do you, do you accept new patients? All the time. Sure. So if people live in uh, your area, they can actually contact you for, for treatment. Then. Oh, they can. They can be anywhere. That's what Skype has done. Ah. I can be just... I can be just as annoying, Al, when I go through a patient's medicine cabinet, under the sink cabinet, (laughs) and see all the personal care products, all the cleaners, all the things they're exposing themselves to, the kind of water they drink, the food, uh, the home that they live in, all of these things. And then they get the the recommendation, you got to toss probably about 90% of what you have because you're slowly poisoning yourself and all those living in your home. Mm. So. so so that's great. New technology, Skype, all that. But you, you can't take patients from outside of America, can you? Of course I do. I work with people. So in principle, if I need a homeopathic consultation, I can contact you? Yeah, I just cannot integrate what we do in Chinese medicine with examining the presentation of somebody's tongue and their pulses. It's not part of homeopathy, but it's part of my training that gives me more information. Mm. So with Skype, it's visual, and then it's filling out my questionnaire. And that's the basic with everyone, filling out my questionnaire. Could you give me a prescription from America that I could use in Norway? No. Why not? Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, why not? I mean, there are some things that are um, for licensed healthcare practitioners only – and I don't know how I could get that to you in Norway. I don't know what your laws were. So maybe that wouldn't work out. We have two principles in a pharmacy. I think it's called blue prescription. That's like you can't buy. I can't just go and buy that. I need a sanction from a doctor. Uh-huh. And then there's the open medicine that anyone can go and buy. 
But uh, usually I, th- I think we get a prescription from the homeopath, but I don't know if that's because he knows what you need and that's just his advice or if it's you can't buy it without his prescription. I don't know th- those rules myself. Yeah, there, there are certain homeopathic remedies that you cannot buy yourself. They're by prescription only. And that's from a licensed healthcare practitioner, which I am. Yeah, but in Norway, you don't have to be a doctor to be a homeopath. You can. There are people who combine it, but homeopaths have the right to write out. Oh, that reminds me. If they implement that insane law you talked about, does that mean that people who are not allopathic doctors in America and have been homeopaths all their life, that they will lose their license? Which which law is... You were talking about that you have to become a doctor to practice homeopathy in America. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I said there are some states oh. that require that you be an MD to be able to practice homeopathy and get it covered by insurance. Ah, and they okay. try to shut out all the other people. So it underlines the need for more boards to be taken in homeopathics or other combination licensing that you can do mm. so that you're part of the conversation and they can't just shut you down. I'm glad you, you cleared that up then. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry if I misspoke. Ah, it's probably, I don't know, maybe language barrier. But uh, anyway, it's so great to know. So people, if you have uh, one of the ailments that homeopathy can help for, you, you, you don't even have to go out of your house. You can call Dr. Robin. <laughs> If you're breathing, you know, that could be one of the, yeah. one of the criteria for being eligible for treatment. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that you're breathing and thinking, I think. Yes, that yes, I, yes. Mm. Been it's such a pleasure, pleasure, Robin. Thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure, Al. We've got to turn the tables and, and do it on my show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that, but we'll have you back at least, I hope, in a future program. I'll look forward to that. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening to Forum Borealis, and we hope you find interest in this new series, where we're going to explore different aspects of health matters deeper, having on many different uh, experts and dissidents in the field, taking on everything from nutrition to diseases, health philosophy, lifestyle, different health sciences understanding the process of how health works in a mind and body, what we can call the philosophy of health, and uh, yeah, the corruption and politics of it, and, and many other interesting approaches. Finally, let's listen to some words of wisdom regarding the Paracelsian approach to medicine. The art of healing comes from nature, not from the physician. Therefore, the physician must start from nature with an open mind. The physician is only the servant of nature, not her master. Therefore, it behooves medicine to follow the will of nature. Man is a microcosm or a little world because he is an extract from all the stars and planets of the whole firmament from the earth and the elements, and so he is their quintessence. The human spirit is so great a thing that no man can express it, 
Could we rightly comprehend the mind of man, nothing would be impossible to us upon the earth. Thoughts give birth to a creative force that is neither elemental nor sidereal. Thoughts create a new heaven, a new firmament, a new source of energy from which new arts flow. When a man undertakes to create something, he establishes a new heaven, as it were, and from it the work that he desires to create flows into him. For such is the immensity of man that he is greater than heaven and earth. Once a disease has entered the body, all parts which are healthy must fight it. Not one alone, but all, because a disease might mean their common death. Nature knows this, and nature attacks the disease with whatever help she can muster. A mortal lives not through that breath that flows in and that flows out. The source of his life is another, and this causes the breath to flow. Alchemy has now fallen into contempt, and is even considered a thing of the past. The physician should not be influenced by such judgments. The universities do not teach all things, so a doctor must seek out old wives, gypsies, sorcerers, wandering tribes, old robbers, and such outlaws, and take lessons from them. Many have said of alchemy that it is for the making of gold and silver. For me such is not the aim, but to consider only what virtue and power may lie in medicines. Medicine rests upon four pillars, philosophy, astronomy, alchemy and ethics. Medicine is not merely a science, but an art. The character of the physician may act more powerfully upon the patient than the drugs employed. Medicine does not consist of compounding pills and plasters. It deals with the very processes of life, which must be understood before they may be guided. Poison is in everything. And no thing is without poison. The dosage makes it either a poison or a remedy. This process is alchemy. Its founder is the smith Vulcan. This is alchemy. And this is the office of Vulcan. He is the apothecary and chemist of the medicine. He of the medicine. These words comes to us from the great sage, alchemy, Dr. Paracelsus, who lived in the Renaissance, and who influenced a whole new reform and a new direction for contemporary healing, and that has developed into several different directions today, and still has a huge influence on the fundamentals of even allopathic medicine. That's it for today. 
thanks a bunch to all you people who have donated so that we can keep on giving back to you programs. And if you have donated, remember that you can sign up at our website and then when you log in, you'll have access to at least five other shows that's that's not released to the public yet. In addition to lots of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, outtakes, different uh, excerpts from the interviews we do with our guests, you'll also find a new series we've begun where we discuss with our guests contemporary matters called Current Affairs. And finally, the forum talks, which is questions and comments from you, uh, listeners, that we address in the forum talks instead of writing back to all of you. So so remember to check in, especially if you ever asked us a question, it will it will come out there. And if you haven't donated, so you don't have access to any of this, it will eventually be available also to the general public. So um, don't be a stranger. Come check out the inside of our website. Until next time, then... Sincere regards from the host of uh, the forum, your pal Al, and my tireless team, BC. number one.